was 1956. America stood at the pinnacle of its prestige, and the Rockefellers were the nation's first family, not only of wealth, but also of power. If there was an establishment in America in the 50s, it was these Rockefeller brothers. These young men have taken their place as these uh, absolutely unique members of a unique family. They're, in some sense, the very tip of this uh, kind of a, the American century, the American experience, this, this optimism that buoys America in the post-war era. They were, in many ways, at the center of business life, conservation life, environmental life, political life. They were in the middle of it. That's exactly where they wanted to be, and they loved it. At a 1991 closed-door meeting of fellow internationalists, billionaire and former CFR chairman David Rockefeller praised his media allies, but his confidence that his words would not leave the room was later broken. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the right lines of publicity. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. And herein lies the dilemma that we all face. Let me illustrate. Improved public health has caused the world's infant mortality rate to decline by 60% over the last 40 years. In the same period, the world's average life expectancy has increased from 46 years in 1950s to 63 years today. This is a development which, as individuals, we can only applaud. However, the result of these positive measures is a world population that has risen during the same short period of time geometrically to almost six billion people and could easily exceed six billion, eight billion by the year 2020. The negative impact of population growth on all of our planetary ecosystems is becoming appallingly evident. But this persistent window and this present window of opportunity during which a truly peaceful and interdependent world order might be built will not be here for open for too long. Already there are powerful forces at work that threaten to destroy all of our hopes and efforts to erect an enduring structure of global cooperation. Welcome once again, everybody, to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. And it is, as always, good to have everybody along. We enjoy our time together with you, and we hope that you're having a great summer, wherever you're at. I guess if you're on the other side of the world, it is winter. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, which is weird. I was talking to a friend about that who just got back from New Zealand and she was talking about how, you know, they were going into winter. And I'm like, oh, I always forget that, that the southern hemisphere is it's winter when it's summer here. It's winter there. Well, we have a worldwide audience. And so we like to, you know, greet everybody accordingly. Yes. And remind everybody that you can listen to us on friendsradionetwork.com and reach out to us at downtherh at protonmail.com. A lot of great emails this last week. It's, it seems like people are in the mood to chat. So uh, yeah. good, good suggestions for upcoming shows. And we always love to interact with you, the listener. So if you, you have a thought, a comment, you have a show suggestion or a question, feel free to email us. We, we generally get back to you in pretty good order within a day or two generally yes so i heard uh you're getting a little bit of sunshine over there we are we are it's actually up here in uh in the washington area it's it's in the 70s today which for us is warm so, <laughs> finally so yeah i was in a, in a golf tournament today so i am very nice and, and red so you forgot the sunscreen is what happened I never wear a sunscreen. What will happen is... And it wait, 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 me. wait. You're some kind of like on-site health safety guy yes. and you're not wearing sunscreen? No, it's like I tell everyone, um, those who can do and those who don't teach. And that's why I'm, an on, I'm a safety professional who teaches. There you go. So I'm not good at the safety, but no, Amber drives her nuts. I will get burnt and then not really like burnt, burnt, but I'll get kind of crispy. And the next morning I'll just wake up with a nice tan. Nice. Yeah, so that's, always, that's the way to do it. As long as I don't get like burnt, burnt, I'm okay. So right, I'm right. a little red today. By tomorrow, it'll be a nice tan. And then I'm, I've got a an event I'm doing uh, that's a 24-hour race event. So I'll probably wear, I probably won't wear sunscreen then either, but whatever. <laughs> well, let's get into the topic of today because we could do two, three shows on this family, but we're choosing yeah. not to because we, we want to move on to other families and we really just want to whet your appetite as usual going down these rabbit holes and we want to give you as much information as we can packed into a show. You definitely want to go more into these guys later. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you need any resources or want some good reading material, just email us. I'll be glad to send some to you because there's so much out there. And as always with these families, there are two sides to the story. Yes. You have the official written history, probably controlled by the fam, most likely controlled by the family, especially in this case. And we're talking about the Rockefellers today. One of, if not the most famous, certainly American families and probably any family in the world. Oh, yeah. And there was a time in the United States where Rockefeller was synonymous with living the high life. I want to be a Rockefeller. I'd love to hang with the Rockefellers or I'm, you know, I'm balling like the Rockefellers because the Rockefellers, one of the richest families in the entire world. Yeah. And I mean, at one point, I mean, a lot of people will say that, uh, they he was the richest man ever. We're going to get into that because there's the quote official tally of the family's worth, and then there's the actual worth because these guys love to play shell games with their money. Yes, they are masters, really on par with the Rothschilds as to how they 
shuffle their money, hide their money, split their money up, create foundations, pay themselves through these foundations. It's astounding. It's absolutely astounding what these guys, what this family has done. And it's, it's all the men. That's the one thing about this family. These were all yes. the men who did this. The women were arm candy. They were uh, treated very well. I think one report I read said amongst all their properties, they had at disposal 1,500 servants total through all their properties, their Manhattan apartment, their Caribbean compounds, their places in Spain, and all over, all everywhere. All over the world. There's some huge ranch here in Texas that's owned by the Rockefellers and is staffed by like 150 people all at all times. That's insane. Yeah. So the women were pretty much just lacking for nothing and they, they were there to enjoy the Rockefeller style and kind of run some of their charities and their their philanthropy and so forth, which was all a show. That's all it is was a show. Yeah. And and there's a lot of that that I noticed when I was researching them. There's a lot of show on that, which a lot of people really point out. Oh, look how, look how philanthropic they are, and they're really not. No, no, they're not. We'll get into that. But so we're going to start with the sort of official history. There are so many books, so many documentaries, so many YouTube videos. The history of the Rockefellers and how they got their money and all that stuff is pretty well documented. So we're, we're, we'll just dabble in it, just for those of you who don't know the story. But if you really want to go into a deep dive, it's everywhere. It's not hard to find. And basically, it started with John D. Rockefeller. Now, his dad was interesting. His dad was quite the character. He was not rich, and he was a snake oil salesman. He was a bad dude. He had to leave a state because he got a, like a 15-year-old girl pregnant. He went around selling oil as a cure-all. He left his family and kids at one point and just disappeared. But with like his sons, and John D. Rockefeller was one of his sons, he made it a habit to um, con them. And he would do, he would bring stuff home and make them either work for it or trade for it or whatever. And it became a game to him to get the best of his kids. And it was a success if he conned his kids. They got less than he got out of the deal. And then he would explain to them how he did it and that they should always be alert, stay sharp. It was all about power, money, manipulation. And his pride and joy was John D. Rockefeller. John D. learned the most, and he took to heart what was going on. The, the other brothers were not so into it. They Obviously, they felt cheated, and they thought their dad was a jerk. But John D. learned a lot from it, and it fed into his greed, his manipulation, and he's the one who took the ball and monopolized oil with the Standard Oil Company. Yes, and it was quite fascinating the way he did it. Oh, he was the mafia. He was a CIA. He was he would literally run other places out of business through lying, mm-hmm. through manipulation. At one point, he went around to all his competitors' uh, business 
recipients. So if somebody, like, let's say I was buying oil from the global oil company, not Standard Oil, he would come to me and offer me all kind of incentives. Even if I bought from the other company, I had to pay kickbacks on their shipments. So he was making money even if, I, even if the other company was selling their oil to a customer. And he did this over and over and over again and essentially ran them all out of business. Or I also read a case where there was, a bit, there was an oil business that was barely hanging on. They went to another company, a country, and I think it was like Venezuela or you know, one of the, the Latin countries, made a deal with them. Well, John D. had gotten some sort of inside information and had already gone down there and bought the company but put in like a puppet management team, didn't yeah. tell his competitor that he was actually the owner of the company. And so when the guy cut the deal, it was actually John D. Rockefeller who he was doing business with, and then, and then he just destroyed this poor guy. Yeah. But in uh, 1890, they were global and started shipping like kerosene to China. They, they had branched out. But in 1909, they were sued under the federal antitrust law, the Sherman Antitrust Act, and they had to bust up because they controlled 91% of the production and 85% of oil and 85% of the kerosene sales in the United States. Mm -hmm. So 1911, they were forced by the U.S. government to dismantle the company into 34 different companies. One of these companies, of course, was ExxonMobil, Chevron, and BP. Now, and here's the, here's the problem. He, in busting up these companies, he had to give up his stock to these companies. But he did so only backroom deals, under-the-table deals, to where he still maintained a present and retained profits from them. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't the head of the company. He was like on the board of the company or he was like a silent partner in the, in the company. And so he still pretty much ran everything. It just wasn't under the banner of one name. Yeah, which is stuff that he was famous for. He was very good at stepping away, but not really. No, he was very much into power, very much into money. And he and here's the like here's the odd thing. He apparently from a lot of things I read, he was very very religious. I don't know what that means. I it didn't I never got confirmation as to where he went to church or what kind of religion he belonged to, but he would often say that he got his money from God, that God had given him his yes. money. The problem with that is is that the way he got his money, nobody believes that's how God operates. <laughs> well, he did. Well, he did. <laughs> um, it was his mother. Um, his mother was very religious. Um, for most of the stuff that I read and some of the stuff I, I, I saw, his mother was very religious and made sure that him and the boys, um, his brother, went to uh, church like every Sunday because of what a shyster his dad was and she tried every way to make sure that he didn't become the shyster that his dad was yeah and his dad was it, it, go deep dive on his dad he was a horrible human being horrible yeah well and that's william rockefeller who yes wow yes and so 
John D. Rockefeller had uh, had some boys. He lived quite a long time, retired for like he was retired for like forty years, and before he passed away. And of course, a lot of people say no, no. He was vi- very philanthropic. He established foundations that worked in the areas of medical, education, scientific research, the arts. He was he gave all of his money away. The problem is, is that those were all shell organizations, as they say. Yeah. He would pour a bunch of money into these, quote, foundations. He was the first to do this. You see this a lot now. People talk about the rich who, you know, start foundations and athletes do this. Everybody does it because it's a tax haven. Well, he set up tons of them. And he would either be, like, again, silent partner or he would be head of the research or of the board or whatever. And so he had funneled all this money into it and then get paid. Yeah. Or essentially just the money would sit there and they would give out a little bit here and there. And everyone was like, wow, look how much money he's given. But when you have like $10 billion, Mm -hmm. you know, putting a million dollars into the inner city or building a, you know, like a $2 million building to house some art or whatever, Everyone's in amazement, but that's that's pennies on the dollar for this guy. Oh yeah, and he would put his sons, you know, in charge. And you see this now, but this guy was really the first one to do it, and he kind of learned a lot of it from the Rothschilds, which is another family we'll get to down the line. But they were all buddy buddies, and only because, I mean, the Rothschilds, I think, probably the worst family in history. But they saw the power that the Rockefellers were amassing in the U.S. and the and the money and the wealth and everything, and so they lent their expertise or their experience to him, and he was a willing participant in accepting it and doing a lot of this, a lot of their bidding and a lot of what they wanted to do. Yeah, and it, there's a lot. I mean, and this is like like we kind of mentioned is it gets weird because. When you're researching them, people that really like the Rockefellers and think they were great and did all these great philanthropic things and were amazing, they don't talk about the Rothschilds and that connection. They miss, they gloss over a lot of these other connections and they talk about, oh, he gave away by the, you know, he gave away more money than like anybody ever has, but he gave them away to, to further his interests. 100%. Whoever he gave money to or whatever he built a building for or whatever he was being philanthropic towards was to benefit him and his family. Yes. And he was a master manipulator. He was a big student of Edward Bernays. And he owned a ton of the media. We'll get into that in a moment. Bought out the media a la Bill Gates, learned from him how you get good press. And he would pay papers to follow him around. And he was very famous for handing nickels. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but back in that day, a nickel was a big deal. You know, he'd hand out nickels to kids on the street. Or the most famous one was there was a, a, a factory that his workers were complaining because they were working ungodly long hours yep. never getting days off they were starving it was, it was horrible conditions and there was a local paper that 
ran a story on it and then he squashed it and instead he showed up one day with a reporter and a photographer and handed like I, I think five bucks or something like that to every worker coming out and of course they're ecstatic because they're getting five bucks which was I think like a week's wage or something oh yeah it was a huge amount yeah, and so the paper, you know, they take photos and they write this glowing review and so all attention went away from it, but nothing changed there. No. In fact, they he set it up because a lot of these guys uh, had to buy from the company store and they had to live in housing that was provided by him and they had to pay for it. He just upped everything and got the money back. Oh, yeah. So, and that's what he did with a lot of things. Yes. He was very philanthropic to make it look good i mean and who do we know nowadays it's like this but he would he would make it look good but at the same time like you said he's giving money but then getting it back tenfold you know in other ways 100 percent. it was his scam it was his game so again his connection with the rothschilds is very very suspect now the press back then all in his pocket they were all on board with him. They were there to promote him. They were there to write glowing reviews of him. Go to the, because he would invite him to his big parties. Mm-hmm. They would drink champagne. It was quite the lifestyle, and so nobody wanted to piss off the Rockefellers. So there's really not a lot about his involvement. I will say with the more conspiratorial side of things. However, it's pretty evident because his sons really made no bones about it. No, no, they did not. And I mean, there's a lot of things if you, if you look into stuff like, I mean, he was really big into um, uh, the getting rid of alcohol, huge into that. Um, and a lot of people think it was, and I looked at he's Baptist, by the way, his mother was devout Baptist and oh. uh, he, he made his kids go to church too. Um, but he, he made it seem like it was more because of the bad, you know, he was, you know, Baptist and whatever, and he drinking's bad. Blah. But really what it came down to was at the time, cars were originally being made to run off ethanol. And if cars are ran off ethanol, they won't be using oil. If you get rid of the alcohol to make it so the alcohol is, you know, you basically have to poison the ethanol so you can't make it into alcohol. It also made it so it didn't work in the cars. And a lot of people made less alcohol because it was illegal. So they had nothing to run the cars on. And, oh, hey, what, what, how's that work? Oh, that's right. He owns oil companies. And if you look on Wikipedia, because we're just talking about the sort of a, official written history of these guys. We're not in the conspiratorial side yet. If you just look under real estate and institutions, it's, it's unbelievable. It's Rockefeller Center. International House of New York, College of William and Mary, Colonial Williamsburg, Museum of Modern Art in New York, mm-hmm. uh, Rockefeller Apartments, the Asia Society, One Chase Manhattan Plaza, Empire State Plaza, Lincoln Center, World Trade Center, Council of the Americas. And you go down and how many, how many <laughs> colleges they gave money to essentially owning Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, UC Berkeley, Stanford, Yale, MIT, Brown, Tufts, Columbia, Cornell, University of Pennsylvania, Case Western Reserve, Rockefeller yeah. University. Uh, it, it just goes on and on and on. It's un, 
unbelievable. Well, and it's a lot of those things, too, because, I mean, he worked on the, the general education board um, was started by him, him and his wife, um, a lot of that stuff. So a lot of the educational things that were pushed for, you know, I mean, which, you know, public schools was a big thing that he pushed for because he thought everyone should have education. But once again, we go back to some of these the groups that we've talked about. What do they want to do? They want to teach our children what they want to teach our children. What better way to do that than to own the schools? Oh, absolutely. And if you a lot of people don't know that a lot of Cleveland, because that's where they kind of that's where grandpa was from. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of places in Cleveland that are funded by built by the Rockefellers and it's kind of kind of kept secret. Yeah. So after John D Rockefeller, he had uh he had uh three sons, David, Winthrop, and Nelson. And if you've ever seen the movie Trading Spaces, it's a complete kind of underhanded play on Winthrop and Nelson. It's the show, it's the one with Eddie Murphy where the two yep. guys are betting that they can turn a homeless street guy into a Wall Street darling while kicking out Chevy Chase. Oh no, no, it's Dan Aykroyd. So that's really based on Nelson and Winthrop sort of in a tongue in cheek kind of way, but it's very accurate to how these guys operated. Oh yeah. So I think to me the most dangerous of his sons was Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson, well, Nelson and David, both of those guys. Yes. But Nelson Rockefeller was vice president under Gerald Ford. He was governor of New York from 59 to 73. He, did, he ran for president uh, three times. He was unsuccessful. But he was um, basically had ties all over the place. David Rockefeller is the one who founded the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, He's also one of the Bilderbergs. If you don't know anything about those groups, go back and listen to our episodes. Mm. Those are dangerous, dangerous groups that are all going headlong towards a one-world government and ultimate control by you know, the elites, which they're part of. He was associated with the CIA. He had a working relationship with like Fidel Castro, Nikita Khrushchev, Mikhail Gorbachev, Saddam Hussein, he was both of those guys, David and Nelson. And Nelson, yeah. It were horrible, horrible, horrible people. Absolutely horrible people. And that's where I think we jump into the more conspiratorial side of things because especially David. David wrote a book to where he it was a very famous quote, I'm going to paraphrase where he said, "Hey, a lot of people are saying that me and my family and my brothers are guilty of manipulating and strong-arming people around the world to try to form a one-world government and to try to bring everybody together, for basically for us to rule. And fact, I'm guilty. Yes, that's the truth. And that's a paraphrase. You can, I've read it on this program many times. I just didn't feel like pulling it up because I, yeah. I I think we've talked about it many times, but that's the yeah. paraphrase. I mean, he basically admitted, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And I mean, Rockefellers and, and like you said, David and, and, you know, Nelson are two of them, but that's just two of them. I mean, I think David did a lot more. He, he, he did a lot more behind the scenes. Nelson was the one that was like up front, like the front 
the the one that you see doing everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I say, and David died in like just recently in 2017. So according to this guy named Meyer Kutz, who wrote uh, Rockefeller Power, he said philanthropy is the essential element in the making of Rockefeller Power. It gives the Rockefellers a priceless reputation as public benefactors, which the public values so highly that power over public affairs is placed in the Rockefellers' hands. Philanthropy generates more power than wealth alone can provide. And this is a guy who studied the uh, Rockefellers for a long time, and that was his conclusion, basically, that, you know, through giving away all this money, you amass, uh, that people owe you, they're indebted to you, and so then you gain power. According to Walter Cronkite, he said, the Rockefellers are the epitome of the nation's permanent establishment. Governments change, economics fluctuate, Foreign alliances shift. The Rockefellers prevail. That, according to Walter Cronkite. Yeah. According to uh, Admiral Chester Ward, and I'm going to talk about him in a second, he was part of the Council of Foreign Relations. He was from the United States uh, Navy. And he is probably the first and only person that I've ever seen who was part of the CFR, who came out and started talk, telling the truth and talking against them and exposing what they were all about. He says, quote, equally important is CFR's influence in the mass media. They control or own major newspapers, magazines, radios, and television networks. And it is true. If you deep dive into it, again, Bill Gates learned from these guys, the Rockefellers through the CFR owned and controlled Pretty much, this was before cable. This was a lot of, you know, there was radio and then there was early TV and then there was, you know, kind of mid TV before cable. They owned everything or gave to it, paid for certain reporters. They put them on the payroll or they would, you know, invite them over for big fancy parties. They paid for all of their positive press. And when I was a kid, I remember hearing commercials sponsored by the Council on Foreign Relations. And I've, yeah. tr I've tried to find them. I would love to play them. I, I can't because I think they've all been disappeared. But it was all about, and this was in the 70s. And this, it was all about uh, you know, it was public service announcements, about thinking local, acting global, all these one world slogans. And that was their attempt at mass manipulation. Yeah. And I mean, I can see it. I mean, like I said, it's their, their special family. It's like one of those things on the surface, just like Gates and some of the others, they look like they're very philanthropic. They look like they're helpful. They look like they're such great, amazing people. But then once you get just a little under the surface, you're like, Oh, according to this article that I have, it says uh, the Rockefeller goal today is the creation of a new world order, a one world government that would control all of mankind. But wanting a global super state and getting one are two, two different things. How do the Rockefellers expect to round up all the cows and herd this into the one world corral? And according to CFR member James Warburg, who testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in 1950, February 17th, he said, quote, we shall have world government whether or not you like it by conquest or consent. 
And he was controlled, James Warburg, he was controlled by the Rockefellers. He was one of the big bankers. He's the one who was on Jekyll Island, mm-hmm. who started the uh, Federal Reserve, which swindled the U.S. out of all of their gold and their money. And according to this, here's a few organizations in the United States that are financed and or directed by the Rockefellers. So, of course, you have the Council on Foreign Relations. You have the American Assembly, American Association for the United States, American Friends Service Committee, Arden House Group, Atlantic Union, Business Council, Center for Advanced Study in Behavioral Sciences, which is basically like Tavistock, Center of Diplomacy and Foreign Policy, Chatham House, which is a dangerous organization, Citizen Committee for International Development, Federation of World Governments, Foreign Policy Association, Institute for World Order, National Planning Association, U.S. National Commission, Trilateral Commission, World Affairs Council, the United World Federalist. Do you see a pattern there? Yeah. I mean, almost all of them mention something global, something world affairs, world order, world governments, and none of those are official governmental offices. These are all made up by the Rockefellers, funded by the Rockefellers. It's very much like the World Economic Forum. And I mean, for most stuff I could find, it almost seems like it runs right inside with the World Economic Forum. They do cross streams. There's no doubt about it. They do cross streams. I think the Rockefellers were too old and too in their own lane when the World Economic Forum really started to kind of take hold and catch steam to be a part of it because their their big baby was the CFR and the Bilderberg group. But there's no doubt that they hitched wagons. Oh, yeah. They definitely hitched wagons. It was kind of one of those. They're like, oh, hey, yeah. um, Oh, but hey, check this out. According to this, in March 1949, Federal Union set up a political action unit called the Atlantic Union Committee. The first president of this committee was the former Uh, Court Justice Owen J. Roberts, who said he considered national sovereignty a silly shibboleth. Also, according to the Los Angeles Examiner, they said they, which would be the nations of the Western Europe, would impose their socialism in place of our Republican self-government, extract taxes from us as they pleased, draft our men for their armies and our women for their factories, appropriate bulk of our productive wealth for their own enrichment. The goals of the Atlantic Union apparently haven't changed. However, you're never going to you're not going to hear about it because newspapers, TV shows, news outlets, they are forbidden to talk about it. Yeah, they're owned by these people. Yeah. If you do the Rockefellers who own gadzooks amounts of businesses or have major interest in tons of businesses and i could go through that list but just look it up on your own just look it up uh, where all their their tentacles reach out to if you buck them in any way shape or form they'll pull their advertising Mm -hmm. it's the same thing we see with george soros it's the same thing we see of course with bill gates it's the same thing we see with a lot of these characters the mainstream media the newspapers they will not touch them and they will give them glowing reviews because they pour tons of money into to keep them afloat, basically. Yeah. They're horrible. <laughs> so also, one of the things that the Rockefellers have been involved in, as you mentioned earlier, they were in, in on the whole prohibition thing. Yep. 
Well, they're very big into taking away firearms, uh, any kind of uh, protection by the citizens, because they know that that is a hindrance to the ultimate takeover. And I do believe that one of the reasons that we're seeing this ramped up so much right now is because a lot of these, and I know the Rockefellers, that crew's all gone, but their kids are out there running all these foundations and everything, and they're carrying on the brand. And you all, But you also have a lot of guys like Klaus Schwab, Soros, all these guys who are the brains and who are the control freaks and who were the ones who put all the money into it so they call all the shots. They're getting way older. And as we played in the beginning, there's a clip of David Rockefeller saying, this window's closing. It won't be there forever. And there are strong forces who are trying to keep us from creating this globalized system, this one world system. And so yeah. I do believe they did not get a lot of things that they, that they set out to do. Because again, we've talked about this before. U.S. is the last domino to fall. If they can get the U.S. to fall, it's over. But the Constitution is so strong and has been so strong that they can't get around it. They're trying. They've been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And so anytime you hear from Congress, from the Senate, from the House, that this is good for you and it's not really going to impede on your right or it's, we're just doing this for your safety or protection, it's all a scam. And these guys, oh, yeah. these guys set that in motion because through the CFR, through their paying uh, lots of Fifth Avenue marketing firms, uh, psychologists, uh, people who were experts in, in mass manipulation, they've basically set this system up to where they want basically for all of us to be scared to be running to the government for help and willingly give up all of our rights, and then it's over. Like, that's the trap. Hmm. There's a lot of issues with these. Sorry, I kind of got lost there for a second because I was reading a, a thing about the John D. hiring substitute soldiers for the Civil War, which I didn't even know was a thing. Did you see that? No. The Civil War thing, apparently, so that he didn't have to fight in the Civil War, he was able to pay somebody else to take his place. So basically what they did is to make sure the rich could stay alive, the rich could pay the poor people to go fight and die for them. Well, that's kind of how the army is set up. Yeah. You know, attract the poor people, give them some sort of incentive to be there, promise them a bunch of stuff, put them out to take all the bullets. Well, you know, that's the famous Credence song. I'm I'm not a fortunate son. I ain't no senator's yeah. son. Yeah. And that's exactly what, what happened in the Civil War. And it just, it, it, it amazes me because it's one of those things I hadn't, you know, and I was looking at something for something else that I was going to talk about on what you were talking about. And I just kind of, that caught my eye. And I'm like, wait, what? So, yeah. He said, this was John D's quote. I wanted to go in the army and do my part. Rockefeller said, but it was simply out of the question. There was no one to take my place. We were in a new business, and if I had not stayed, it must have stopped. And with so many dependent on it. So he was too important to do his duty. So he paid somebody else to do it. But that's how these people work. See, 
they, yeah. they keep their name and they they carried it over into their politics as well and also trying to create this we're very philanthropic where we just all we do is we just care about everybody but it's just mass manipulation is what it is and that's the same thing they do there yes if that was it he was philanthropic he paid these soldiers to do it. plus he gave money to the union army in, in donations and that's what he runs into with the philanthropic. And that's one of the things I keep finding with all this philanthropic. It's like you said earlier, now they owe him. Oh, of course. They owe him a debt. And now it's whether it's going to be a favor later or something, he's going to get the money back probably tenfold. Or he's going to get power back tenfold. There's also some strangeness involved in the Rockefellers. Uh, did you read about or do you know much about michael rockefeller yes yes Whoa. yeah about him which honestly his is the most saddest one honestly because it sounded like he just wanted out and he wanted to go do his thing and be an artist and and then everything he yeah i mean michael rockefeller was kind of an adventurist he really was just sort of living on the family money mm -hmm. he was traveling the world globe hopping not doing anything particular, but just enjoying life as a Rockefeller, I guess, is how you would put it. He was, but a lot of the ones that I read about it, what it really was is he was over, supposed to be anyway, working for one of the museums and the art, the art museums to get art from Native American tribes in different places and send them back. Well, yeah, and that's what got him killed. Yes. So Michael Rockefeller was in New Guinea. He found this lost tribe, this lost tribe of New Guinea. And he tried to bribe him with, you know, lar tons of money, large sums of money to go headhunting and make shrunken heads for him. This tribe had no use for money. And they didn't really like the fact that he was there kind of bugging them. He wouldn't leave them alone. And he was trying to get these shrunken heads for this museum like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they this tribe had been headhunting for like a generation or two. Like they had given it up, but he was trying to coerce well, them. There was a few things that I read where I mean that said they had it. They 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 supposedly had or the Dutch because the Dutch were the ones in charge of New Guinea at that time. They said that they had, but then there's proof that maybe they hadn't. But there's a, there's like three or four different stories that I found. So there's, there's a dispute yeah. as to whether they were actually still doing it. I don't know who would they who would they be headhunting because other tribes. According to the research I got, they had given it up, but possibly they were continuing. The reality is is that they weren't into this guy bribing them. So they basically headhunted him. And they killed him. And has his body ever been found? No, his body was never found and for the for the the family up until, you know, Nelson Rockefeller's death, he still would say that, no, he drowned. Um, because apparently it was one of those things is the catamaran that he had, because he was with another person named Renee Wassing, who was an anthropologist. The catamaran cat, or capsized and he tried to swim to shore. And so the official story was that he just never made it to shore and he drowned. But according to people who have gone to talk to the tribe, they had a different story. Yes. yes. Um, that they attacked him basically and cut his head off and ate him. 
He did. Well, according to sources, we don't know that for a fact, but that is that's yeah. that's their story. Yeah, their story is that they they found him, cut his head off, ate him. Supposedly, at one point, I read somewhere that there was a skull found, but somehow on the trip from New Guinea to, you know, to the Dutch, whatever, yeah, it disappeared. Right. Which, yeah. So no one knows if it was really his skull. I'm pretty sure it was. Otherwise, it wouldn't have disappeared. Yeah. I mean, if you're carrying a Rockefeller's skull, they probably got confirmation on the flight, and the family's like, we can't let this out. We're just going to stick with the drowning story, get rid of it. Yeah. And it's one of those things. There's a lot of information and where a lot of this came out was um, they found a bunch of stuff that the Dutch had um, letters that were supposedly supposed to have been destroyed, but they were found um, because the Dutch had figured this out pretty soon after it happened. But then it was pretty much like they were like, nope, shut it off. This never happened. He drowned. (laughs) Well, there's also the case of Winifred Rockefeller. Emini. This was Nelson Rockefeller's cousin. Uh, She murdered her two kids and committed suicide. And if you deep dive into that, there's a lot of of people suspect, and there's some pretty good evidence that, and this happens a lot, she was on to what was going on. We know we've talked about how Illuminati families raised their kids, how they trauma traumatize them, how they basically run MK Ultra programs on them to get them into lockstep with whatever the family's ultimate goal is. We know this is a thing. It, that's not yeah. even debatable. It happens. Yes. And that she wanted no part of it, and she saw too much, heard too much, or was part of too much. And of course, like cults, and you're a Rockefeller. Where are you going to run? Where are you yep. going to hide? What are you going to do? They're going to shut off all your funds. They're going to run you out of every town. I mean, they are bigger than any, any kind of secret service or worldwide army out there. They're everywhere. Yes, they're, they're everywhere and they have people everywhere. I mean, most of a lot of people believe that it was Nelson and David who basically helped form the CIA. They did. There's really no doubt about that. They so, they were the brains behind it. And it was, according to a lot of sources, J. Edgar Hoover, and I know a lot of he was nuts and he was kind of crazy, but yeah. he was on to them. And they were the ones who put out the Blitz campaign to discredit him, make him look crazy, and turn everybody against him. Yeah. Because there's some people that actually, you know, believe that the whole idea of J. Edgar Hoover being a cross-dresser and being everything else was created by the Rockefellers. Yeah, because there's no and proof really, of it. There's no proof of it. They created it to discredit him because he had info on them and they were worried he was going to come up with it. But others also believe that it was, you know, David uh, Rockefeller working with the CIA and possibly the FBI with J. Edgar Hoover to plan the Kennedy assassination. There, There's a lot of evidence to that as well. There, There's... They wanted him out because the famous speech by Kennedy where he talks about secret societies and how we have to weed them out and there's all these backroom deals and there's this shadow government and people involved trying to destroy America. There's a lot of evidence that he, one of the groups he was talking about were the Rockefellers. Mm -hmm. 
because the Rockefellers are knee deep in every administration. They give tons of money to every administration. They invite them all onto the Council of Foreign Relations. If you listen to my program on that, there are people from the Republicans, the Democrats, from all over the place, mayors, governors, who are on this council, and it has nothing to do officially with U.S. politics. Like it is no. not an official program. They just give they give it an official name. It sounds really neat. And so when they come out and say, "Well, the Council on Foreign Relations," you know, they they recommend this. That doesn't mean anything. No, because there's there, there's nothing. They're not voted in. They're nothing else. It's just who. It, it's a, an old a good old boys club. Basically, you have to like have money or be in some sort of power, then you can get in the group and you can help talk about different things. I mean, it's honestly like the CDC. They're really not a government agency. They just have a cool name and owned by the pharmacies. So according to this article, which is heavily in, into the Rockefellers being part of the Illuminati, the Rockefellers have divested much of their holdings into places which they control. We've talked about that. But nominally, they are not owners of. The Rockefellers' financial power is far greater than the balance sheets would indicate, which means they are hiding a lot of money. Yes. Uh, does talk about the FBI and the CIA programs, how they are involved in that. There's also a lot of charges here that they're involved in the kidnapping of kids and child trafficking, that they're involved in that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, but I mean, most of those rich families, I think, are, are part of that says here, for many years, the Rockefellers have been pouring billions of dollars into projects and international groups which are working to bring in a public one-world government. Uh, the world already has a secret one-world government. According to this article, the Rockefellers take part in decisions that affect Russia, China, and other parts of Asia with good reason. The House of Rockefeller has power and assets in all those countries. The investigator of the Rockefellers will find that they have secretly had their hands in the policies and the politics of the United States during all of the 20th century. Decisions and directions this nation has taken are the result of countless orders which the Rockefellers have given their underlings. And that's exactly how it works. If you fund a candidate, it's the same thing. With, you hear a lot about these Soros prosecutors. Mm -hmm. that, that's a big topic these days. All these prosecutors that George Soros funnels tons of money into and gives them directives. This is all learned behavior from the Rothschilds to the Rockefellers. And the Rockefellers are primarily America. When we get into the Rothschilds, you'll find out that's more kind of like Soros. It's on a global scale. But the Rockefellers yeah. were basically deemed as part of the Council of the Illuminati to destroy America by means of looking philanthropic, by monopolizing, branching out, getting their hands into all these things. And then everyone's beholden to them. So they all do their bidding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of times it's not just, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at it as like, oh, they're giving away money and they're being philanthropic. But once you're giving away that money, you, those people owe you in some way. You know, oh, what am I going to get for what do I get for giving you this? You know, what favors do I get later? Well, yeah, because if you look at basically where they even set up their residencies, they're in New York at the Beekman Place. They're all over New York, West 54th Street, uh, Park Avenue. 
they're in Florida, they're in Maine, they're in Cleveland, they're in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, they're in the Caribbean, they're in West Virginia, they're in Texas. They, so they, they set up these places all over the U.S. and come in and just funnel money and pour money into whatever they can and then put down directives. And all of this is basically heading because they believe that they're one of the chosen families and, and they've been, I guess, knighted as one of the top families in the world, picked to be the ruling class, and they truly believe that. Yeah, they do. And so even though, let's say, David and Winthrop are all gone, you know, the, the, the sons are gone, but they had a bunch of kids, and you don't hear about those kids much. So it seems to me no. like they've kind of gone back underground just like John D. was. And I think they have, and it's kind of one of those things. I mean, it, it makes you wonder what's, not to sound bad, what's next? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we have to keep our eyes out on. In fact, Nelson's kids are Rodman, Stephen, Mary Clark, Michael Clark, Nelson, and Mark Filter. Those are all Rockefellers. Then there's Lawrence, Laura, Marion, Dr. Lucy Rockefeller, and Lawrence Rockefeller. Those are all descendants. Those are grandkids, kids, yeah. and stuff. Uh, Winthrop had Andrea Davidson, Catherine Cluett, Winthrop Paul, William Gordon, Colin Kendrick, John Alexander, and Louis Henry Rockefeller. And then David Rockefeller. It's got David Rockefeller Jr., Ariana Rockefeller, Camilla Rockefeller, Abigail Rockefeller, Neva Goodwin, David Kaiser, Margaret Delaney, Richard Gildner, Eileen Rockefeller. And, and it just keeps going on. There's, I think there's, I saw there's like a still 150 or more that are left. That is, that's not even talking about their spouses or any of that. Yeah. Again, you go into their businesses and they are like, uh, Allegheny Transport Company, Amico, Chase Bank, Chevron, Chrysler, Citibank, Conoco, Eastern Airlines, Exxon Mobil, General Electric, McDonald Aircraft, Rockefeller Apartments, Rockefeller Group, Standard Oil, Venture Rock Associates. And then you go through their charities and the charities are even more and, and all the buildings they own. I mean, these guys have mass influence they have massive money and you know they say that money and power corrupt but i think they use money and power to corrupt yes again i go back to the the grandfather what was his name william yeah william rockefeller the 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 john d rockefeller's dad yeah so jo i william go back to john d rockefeller's dad william who was by all accounts a terrible person Oh, yeah. But he set in motion this whole thing. So a lot of people say, well, I thought these Illuminati bloodlines went all the way back to old Europe, to you yep. know, dark Europe and stuff. Not necessarily. Once you hit a certain level of power, you're invited into the group. And we've talked about this with Bill Gates. We think, in our opinion, Bill Gates is one of the latest that we know about that's been invited in. He's kind of the new kid on the block and he's sort of flexing his muscles. That's why he's become 
this voice of COVID and the voice of the vaccines. And, but he's using the same tricks, buying media coverage, giving money to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and all these different foundations and then spreading his money out everywhere into like fake meat, buying up farmland, you know, wanting to shoot space dust in to quell the sun for global warming. All you have to do is follow the money, follow the trail, see what they're doing with their money. And it becomes very, very clear and very, very apparent who they're with, what side they're on, and what their ultimate goal is. Yeah. And in America, more than any other family, the Rockefellers, they laid the groundwork for this. And it, it really started with John D. I think at some point, John D. Rockefeller crossed the Rubicon. Oh, yeah. Because he was so into power. That was his main drive. It wasn't even really money. It was power. And he loved the control. He loved the power over people. If you were indebted to him, he was satisfied. Yeah. And I think he caught the attention of the old line Illuminati, and they said, we like this guy. They brought, they brought him in. I mean, I'm, this, this is me guessing. Yes. That they brought him in and said, here's the real deal. Here's what we have going on. Are you in or out? And I think he went in. And then he oh. really passed it on to his sons, who it's very obvious. You listen to their speeches. You read their books. They were very much in favor of one world government. I mean, they... Ha- they basically puppeted Henry Kissinger. Mm-hmm. Like they brought Kissinger, Henry Kissinger into the fold, taught him all their tricks, and unleashed him on, on the world. And Henry Kissinger has been one of the biggest proponents out in the open for controlling population. He was famous for saying, hey, you control the food, you control the population. Take their guns away, tax them to death, and the one world government is coming. There's nothing you can do about it. He's vi- on record saying mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. And I think what it is too, is I think also they realized they, they had two different ways to do it. You had John D Rockefeller who just kind of ran his business, did his thing and kind of stayed out would occasionally do some things to try and, you know, get his image to look nice. And you had Nelson and David who Nelson was a lot more in a public eye. Yes. And David a little bit back. And now they've hit a thing where, okay, now we're just going to kind of sit back and see what happens, pull out of the public eye. So, you know, they don't notice us because when you, you hear people talking about the, you know, the bad, it's Bezos, it's Gates, it's Elon Musk. Those are the ones they talk about. Oh, the people with money and what they're doing with it. Nobody talks about the Rockefellers anymore. Not anymore. And they are worth more now than they've ever been. Yeah. They just stand off in the background. Like, well, you know, I they, think they're, again, that's why. Many, many people believe they are in the Illuminati because they're standing in the backgrounds, but they're pulling the strings. Yes, they're pulling the strings. And yeah, they're definitely pulling the strings. And I think Bill Gates is all in, like we talked about in our Bill Gates episode. You know, and I, none of my none of my opinion on Bill Gates has changed that episode. And, and except for maybe to think that he's even more evil. Yeah, so. no, it's it's only confirmed that he's evil and ramped it up multiple fold yeah, especially when i see the rockefellers and how they did it and it's like oh he's doing the exact same thing they were he's being philanthropic but he's being philanthropic in a way that works and helps him yeah it makes him richer gives him more power more control 
and makes it look like he's such a great person because he gave this money. 100%. And they laid the blueprint for that. Yes. So I think that's enough to whet your appetite. On, like, again, we could, we could do we could, episodes yeah. upon episodes on the Rockefellers, but we only have an hour. And so we want to move on to other families. And mm -hmm. it's basically to give you a launching point. Go look at these people. So look into them. Absolutely. Because as you very well stated, the Rockefellers, you don't hear much about them anymore. It seems to be they're from a bygone era. And they were, you know, Standard Oil, John D. Those are all long, long time ago. The the sons are pretty much are gone. They're, they're just, so nobody's really talking about the Rockefellers. But the problem is, is they're there. Yes. And they still have huge sway and massive power and they're pulling strings. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So get to know that family, get to know what they're up to, uh, keep them in your radar because a lot of the things that they're doing and that, that they're purporting are happening right now in real time. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'm going to say too, when you look them up, go deep. Um, when you first, the, the, the surface stuff that you're going to see when you Google or whatever, or, you know, um, whatever search engine you're going to use, go deep. The first couple layers is going to talk about how great they are and going to, you know, you're amazing. And then you have to like step back, you know, go a little deeper to get into and see the truth. Yeah. The, the what, what's actually happening. Yes. Oh yeah. They paid authors. They paid everybody to write gl glowing books and documentaries and films and mm -hmm. articles about them. That's what they did. And that's how a lot of people perceive them. Yeah. Cause even DuckDuckGo, I had to, it wasn't the first, it was just the, the second page where I started seeing the truth. Yeah. So yeah, do a deep dive on them. All right. Well, I have the midweek edition. I'm looking forward to that. And Brandon, you have a great week. I will. Everybody email us at down the RH at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until then, I'm Big D. And I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.